0: You're listening to the Mind Your Own Dog Business Podcast. I'm your host, leading expert in dog business strategist, Kristen Lee. Guys, get ready for your journey, your journey to cutting edge marketing and sales, creating a standout, kick-ass dog business brand, along with mastering your mindset that's going to smash all those glass ceilings that have been holding you back and catapult your dog business to the next level with actionable steps you can take right away. We're going to empower you. We're going to grow you as you step into your authentic self, not only as a dog trainer, dog walker, or whatever slice of the pet industry you find yourself in, but as that badass entrepreneur. My mission is to disrupt the current norm, cut through the noise, cut through the bullshit, and empower the incredible women of the dog business industry to step into the spotlight, reclaim control, and transform not only their businesses, but their lives. It's real It's raw, it's uncensored, and it's what this dog business industry needs. Let's do this, guys. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the Mind Your Own Motherfucking Dog Biz Podcast. I am excited today because I have a guest I love. I honestly truly love guest interviews. I am making a commitment to do mostly guest interviews for 2022 and to really, really, really shine the platform on all of these badass motherfucking dog trainers, especially women in the industry. So today I have a very special guest of Heather fucking law. I know she's probably cringing already that I'm cursing Heather law from Heather law dog training. Isn't that? that's such Heather. Remember when we did some of your rebranding and I'm like, God damn it. I love your name. And we need to call it Heather law dog training. You're like, okay, exactly. (laughs) Um, she, this is Heather from Heather law dog training and she is a dog training company based in South central PA shout out to the Gettysburg area, Hershey area. I have some family up there. And today Heather is here to share her story of how she went from a career of being an educator to individuals with severe disabilities and part-time side hustler as a pet sitter to a full-time motherfucking profitable dog trainer. She made this challenging transition twice. Like home slice is badass. This is one of those things where we see a dog school. We have a lot of people come in And they're usually like, Hey, I'm a pack hiker. I want to be a dog trainer. I want to start standing into dog training, or I'm a pet sitter. How can I get into dog training? And a lot of people end up in this like purgatory. So the reason why Heather is here today is to share her experience of making that transition twice. I believe Heather is the most successful one in dog biz school history to make this transition not only once, but twice, and to really stand into being a business owner and entrepreneur as a woman in the dog industry. So Heather, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. (laughs) You're like, great, help.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those, I I think I told you I was a little surprised you asked me, but then the more I have thought about it, I said, well, more people need to know they can do this.
0: Yes yes and I want to be transparent to all my listeners out here just to have this kind of little kind of asterisk next to it Heather is a dogby school alumni and she is a current student she's not been paid for her endorsements and I told her not to endorse us if she didn't want to as well right, <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome so Heather, Speaking of which, which actually is super quick too. um, just to let all my listeners know, dog with school, we're going to be actually hosting a eight week course starting February 8th on transitional strategy, very similar to what Heather went through. So if you guys are interested, you know how to hit me up. Anyway, Heather, I'm going to get back to you, Heather law, motherfucking law. How, the, how long have you been in the business of dogs? About five years. Five I'm years. Still, I'm still a baby. <laughs> you're nah. You're 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 a, you're a sophomore. I would say you're a sophomore. Okay, okay I'll take the sophomore. You're a sophomore. Now, what would you say, Heather, is your superpower? Well, I'm a registered behavior technician, which gives me
1: the ability to quickly see behavior, but then to be able to see that behavior to make a connection to not only the dog but the human attached to the dog. So I get said a lot, well, my dog doesn't do that with anybody else. And, or the family goes, Oh, how did you do that so fast? And I just see the behavior because that's Mm -hmm. my trade and I can make a connection to the dog and the human rather quickly because I've had many years of being able to do that.
0: Yeah. That's one of those things of the whole, it's like, cool. You can train the dog, but what about training the human? I actually hate that term, training the human, because one of the things is it's like facilitating that process, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. So what's the last thing you have accomplished that made you incredibly proud? Well, um, just prior to
1: January of this January, New Year's, I became a certified CPR instructor for pets and first aid. So I just did that. And so I was like, wow, I can do that so fast. <laughs> so uh, I was shocked I was going to be able to do it in the time frame I gave myself to do it. So awesome. that was pretty impressive.
0: Awesome. Yeah. You know, one thing that I know there's a lot of talk, we hear a lot about um, like the first aid certified stuff. I went through that course, like probably like seven <laughs> years ago mm-hmm. and I learned how to do the Heimlich maneuver on a pet. And yes. I can tell you in 2019, uh, 2020, April of 2020, I had to do that on my, when my then senior dog, cause she uh, aspirated and she had right. food stuck. It saved her fucking life. And then I had to do mouth to mouth with her and like get her back. It was like, right. it was worth like everything kicked in. So everybody yes. go get fucking certified on CPR and all that stuff for those dogs. Cause exactly. you never know. You know. It's like children. You never exactly. know. Um, so what's your favorite quote?
1: My favorite quote is, reinforcement drives behavior. And the reason is, whether it's positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement, it actually controls what the behavior is that happens. So if it's negative reinforcement, which people don't like to think about, Mm -hmm. that if you have, I'll use a quick example, if you have a headache, you go and you take Motrin or Advil. Mm-hmm. And why do you always go when you start to even feel a twinge of a headache? Because you got reinforced by taking the Motrin mm-hmm. to alleviate the headache. So it, you quickly, so the punishment or the negative piece would be the headaches, the, the pain. So mm-hmm. you do the way to avoid that is you take the Advil. And yes. so, and even using the positive. Well, when people have said to me, well, how did you get my dog to do that? They listen to you so much better. Well, They only, they have a shorter history with me, number one, and I've reinforced every behavior I like. So Mm -hmm. giving them a little pat on their head, whether it's giving them a tiny piece of kibble or a treat, they are much quicker to do what I ask because all they know is something positive. Things get added to their life as opposed to getting taken away.
0: Nice. Well, you know what? You know, it's one of the exercises my husband likes to do with people when he's explaining those terms because he's not really into the whole, you know, he knows all the stuff naturally being a professional. And when he likes to break it down to layman terms, he actually goes into somebody's car and he's like, All right, let's turn your car on and let's just back it out of the driveway and don't put your seatbelt on and let it ding and let it ding and let it ding till you can't take it anymore. Right. And then, yeah. And then he does like, Okay, put it on. And now it's gone. Yes. And they're like, Oh shit, that's how it works. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's his that's favorite ideology. Yep. Yeah, that's his favorite exercise to do with people when, you know, when he first gets them. He he turned he doesn't do it as much anymore. He turned it into, you know, in his fusion program or whatever, but it's his favorite exercise. It's his favorite exercise. All right. So let's get into it. So, Heather, what made you start? with pet sitting and dog walking as kind of a supplement to what you're already doing in the edu- uh, severe education, uh, severe disability education field? Well, I think I started to feel a lot of stress. Well, I know I did from working for all
1: the years, 20 plus years with individuals with se- severe disabilities. And so interestingly, my a close family friend said, any chance you'd be interested in watching our dog? We're going on vacation and we can't take them. Would you be interested? Just Mm -hmm. kind of like random question. And I said, sure. And they insisted on paying me because they were going to be gone for a week and they weren't, they were not wanting me to just hang out with their dog. They're like, no, we're paying you. I was like, I'm not charging you your family. They insisted paying me. Um, I spent a week with him and then after that, she was like, well, what did you think? And I said, oh my goodness, it was so much fun. I got to swim in your pool because it was the summer. Got to swim in your pool, took him for walks. This was great. She mentioned it to somebody else and somebody else. And so Mm -hmm. word of mouth started that way. And then I started thinking, I think I want to try to do this as something to kind of give me a break from the mental work that you do all the time with individuals with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And I started to kind of think, I was like, how do I do this? So I sat down, I remember it. I was, I sat on the couch and I said, what would I call this? I think we had a snowstorm and I said, what would I call this? And I was like, ah, sitter for fur babies. That's all I could come up with at the time. And so (laughs) that I'm not great with that. You know, Kristen, um, coming (laughs) up with names and that was what popped into my head. And I said, okay, I said, huh, there's stuff about Facebook. People have pages. I'll try that. I know this sounds like I'm talking like 20 years ago. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I just, I never created a group or Mm -hmm. a page on Facebook at the time, at Mm -hmm. the time of doing this. So that was like four and a half years ago, created the page, kind of mentioned it to some family friends, my Mm -hmm. hairdresser, she mentioned it to some friends, just kind of through that little word of mouth. And then that summer I was booked I was hardly home. I think I was booked every weekend. People found me on Facebook. They were like, "Oh, you!" And then I did try Rover Um, only once. I got one or two people hitting Rover, but then I have not touched that um, since then. Um, Mm -hmm. But gone went through the the idea of how to throw cast a net to get Mm -hmm. people. And at the time, I didn't know. Any, I didn't know anything from grassroots. So I almost felt I needed to say yes to anybody yeah. and everybody that wanted. And I was, and there were some that I was like, oh, not too sure about this one. After I would like do a quick little meet and greet. And then there were some like, I, and I never thought to take a down payment, any of that, because I didn't know at the time when you're learning something new, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how it started. And um, it grew, it gave me a mental reprieve from my Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. mentally intense work that I was doing.
0: Yeah. I think your story is going to hit home and resonate with a lot of people, especially how they started to get into the industry, whether they started as dog training or pet sitting kind very similar to yours. It's like, all right, I did this once. I kind of like it. And then Great. it's like starting that whole process out, which is fucking yes. awesome. Right. So yes. it's a very common story of what you went through. And yeah, I like that. Now, did you always know you wanted to be in the pet industry? Were you always drawn to animals, like even as a child? Or was it like, eh, you know, it's kind of cool. Now you're like, holy shit, this is my life.
1: When I was in, a young kid before like high school and stuff, you know, everybody always goes, what do you want to be? And mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be a vet. And wow. then I realized how much schooling there was. and I said, <laughs> I'm not smart enough for all that and all that math, forget that. Right. And Because then I also learned they only take, such a small percentage of mm-hmm. people that even apply to go to that school. And I said, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. There's no way. And then I also always liked working with kids and I was, gra- I gravitated toward children with disabilities. And then I started working with a lot of children with autism was my main area. But then as I went into the more school district area, it expands to all different individuals with disabilities. But I now I said, wow, life goes in a full circle. I wanted to be work with animals as a mm-hmm. child. And now full circle. I am i mean, I'm not dead yet. But uh, <laughs> fortunately, uh, but I full circle come around that now I'm doing something I wanted to do as a kid. And yeah. I, I have some close contact with a lot of vets, a lot of groomers. So mm-hmm. I really see how the pieces get moved around, even when we don't realize that the pieces are moving, that they are being Mm. placed where they need to.
0: Nice. Nice. Now I want to start to talk a little bit more about your transition from both sides. And again, you did the most challenging transition twice. First, (laughs) again, making the transition to a dog trainer from a pet sitter uh, because again, a lot of people find that's where so many people get stuck. It's like, And this is nothing against the people in the industry, pet sitters and dog walkers that want to become dog trainers because they have experience. They have a lot of hands on fucking experience and most of them are doing services already. But it's starting to make that transition over where people really get stuck. And like we're working with a few people right now that are actually it's scary at first. Like I'm always I'm not going to be not uh, honest about it. Like you do lose a huge chunk of your clients at first, but the way we set Heather, you know, the way we think set people up, it's, it's not a, it's not a big deal. So a lot of people get stuck in this like crazy purgatory of comfort and then also like imposter syndrome and confidence. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, used to doing the business their way. So But you did it twice going from pet sitter to dog trainer and then uh, shifting your entire career into being an entrepreneur. Can you share with the listeners a little bit about making both transitions? The first one from pet sitter to dog trainer and then the next one when you're like, okay, now I'm going to start start in the industry full time. This is going to be my full time career. This is going to be you know my bread and butter for my life. Right. Um, when I started transitioning from pet
1: sitter to trainer was I met a number of people interestingly that were trainers or have worked with dogs that needed mm-hmm. a pet sitter they trusted. So mm-hmm. one in particular had four Australian Shepherds and she had them working training, um, but then when and she Valued her dogs so much that she couldn't leave them with quote unquote just anybody, those mm-hmm. were her words. And she, I mean, I went through a pretty rigorous meet and greet and training with her because she, th- and when I met her, she fed them raw first time I've ever had anybody really tell me about a raw diet. Mm-hmm. And she's like, But I have a lot of money invested in my dogs, I cannot leave them with just anyone can't Mm -hmm. ask the neighborhood kid so when I met her and we started doing things she would show me especially because of how her dogs were a few different things how she would quote unquote work with them Mm -hmm. um and how she would walk with them how what her recall words were things she would have them do when they were on a walk so if I hadn't met her I think I wouldn't be as comfortable going with some more challenging dogs Mm -hmm. because I don't have that 10 years of history of working with those dogs. But Mm -hmm. while I met her, she also sat down and said, let's rework your, let's do a write-up for, you have a website, right? And I was like, no, I don't have a website. I have a Facebook page. She goes, let's write up a bio to put your website, to put on your website and get you a website. And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Uh, Because I didn't, I wasn't thinking that. And then she's like, I see it. You have the education, you know how to teach people, Mm -hmm. get into doing some training. So I said, okay, I'll see what she's got. I see what happens. First time I built a website. um, And she helped me do a lot of that. Then what we did, then I met another person who was a trainer and she said, let's go, let, come with me to some of my trainings after I met her and worked with mm-hmm. her dogs. And then she asked me to help let's her during, Sorry. during her, um, training sessions, she asked me to help her with a whole course. Mm -hmm. And I did. And then there were a few people, she told me, give them my business cards for pet sitting, dog walking, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And there were a few that needed a little extra help. And Mm -hmm. when they asked for that extra help, she either was like, oh, you go help them. And I said, okay, I'll go help them. So I Mm -hmm. worked with them a little bit in that class. And then at the end, they either messaged me, emailed me, called me, whichever they did, and Mm -hmm. said, can you come and help us with our dog? We need a little more help hands-on. Again, I did not know grassroots at the time. Mm -hmm. I was just pulling numbers out of the, literally (laughs) out of the air and coming up with, what I thought was a fair price.
0: I literally um, just got an application that popped up as we're talking. And it said, she's like, I literally pulled numbers out of the air. What's fair and what I can do. <laughs> That's that so, funny so you, funny. you just said that it's literally that what I just popped up on my screen. <laughs> that is funny. And, um, so
1: I, but if I didn't go to that class, I wouldn't mm. see how a group class was run. And a lot of my stuff that I still do mm. is a lot more one on one but getting into doing a couple more group ideas going down mm-hmm. the line um since i've been working with grassroots so yeah. it's not all going to be private and yeah. so that's how that started but how i ended my career in education with individuals with with disabilities my contract i was a contracted employee from a school district and my contract ended at the end of the school year. And I kind of toyed with the idea for a little bit. I knew I was potentially wanting a change because of doing this for 20 plus years, Mm -hmm. knowing I was mentally getting burned out. I Mm -hmm. loved all the times I was spending with the dogs. So my contract was ending at the end of the school year. And I said, it's a prime time to try and see if I think, and I really thought in the very beginning, I would only do it for the 3 months of the summer mm-hmm. and I would potentially go back to education in the fall. And then I said, why? My schedule's jam-packed. I don't have I don't have time yeah. to go back to school. I wouldn't be able to help as many families and dogs if I was working my other job. Mm-hmm. So that's when I said, okay, if this is what I'm supposed to do, I know this is the way my life has been. If things are supposed to happen, Mm -hmm. the door is always open. If they're not supposed to happen at that time, the door closes. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be patient, but you also have to know, can you do that? Mm -hmm. And some people say, no, I can't. And I did have, I will say, I did have the fortunate piece of last year. I was able to build my, with grassroots, build my training business while still being an educator. Yeah. But then I was still able to use all of that and then say, okay, summer's happening and the contract's ending. And I kind of knew that contract wasn't coming back, but it didn't mean I didn't have other offers that yeah. potentially coming in. Um, but I was like, okay, now's the time to do it. And I'm six months in, seven months, I guess you would say, yeah. that I'm in and I am loving every moment of it.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember, I think, I believe, yeah, I remember having that conversation, me, you and Maggie having that conversation during like one of your quarterlies, like Mm -hmm. Q2 or Q3 quarterlies. And you're like, well, I guess I gotta, I gotta make this happen or I don't. So let's do this. And we kind of built out that, that kind of plan for you to actually start to get you on that, that way. And lo and behold, here we are now. And then miss miss spending uh my christmas holiday in the tropics as <laughs> <Yeah. lives> well <laughs> yes well and that was that was kind of interesting it was definitely a
1: vacation uh-huh. but it was actually part of one of my puppies that i've worked with oh. since they've had him and they moved in november and had tossed the idea to me what i want to come down and Stay with them, see him, help them out while they got to see some family and things. And I said, sure, why not? And so I it did, it was a vacation, but it was also because I have some high end clients that I'm able to do that stuff with.
0: Yeah. Excuse the fuck out of me. I had no clue on that one. You're you're totally fine. No, I'm joking with you, but that's awesome. I had no clue that you actually went down there to provide a service too. That's Mm -hmm. the thing too. That's what people don't realize. It's like, P- the high end people that you want to work with and the people that are like totally like in your, in your collective in your niche, like, niche. like yeah. they will take you to places like this as a dog trainer. And people don't understand that. I'm like, no, look at, look, look, Tether just told you about it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. And will it happen
1: all the time? We both said, even at the end, we don't know because they know I'm busy uh-huh. and different things, but that the off that we, have left it as let me know when you might need it and mm-hmm. I can probably make it work out. Um, yeah. maybe not instantaneously, like, don't tell me today you need me tomorrow. Cause that right. most likely isn't happening. But if, you, but again, if they are in your niche and they are somebody that definitely is in your group of people, things mm. do work out and they work well. And it's not, it doesn't even always feel like work. You actually become friends with those people Mm -hmm. and yes, they know you're providing a service, but at the same time that you are able to almost call them out. Not that I call my people out, but with like, if you have a good friend and you have a person that you're doing something silly with, they're able to say, Hey, what are you doing that for? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we, I look at that and I think that's part of quote unquote, my superpower, Mm -hmm. that I can look at the pattern of the behavior with the dog or the human and Mm -hmm. say, oh, the reason he's not sitting for you, simple behavior, is because you're saying sit and you kind of walk away. Well, Mm -hmm. he doesn't know if you're serious or not. So if you say, I said sit, the -hmm. dog then sits. And I said, and stay still, not, at first. And then Mm -hmm. as the person learns and the dog learns, you can move and then still give the dog the cue and they should still be able to do
0: that. Yeah. So what was the most challenging aspect of shifting? And I know you talked a little bit about how you made that transition from pet sitter to dog trainer, but like internally, what was like one of the most challenging aspects of making that shift to pet sitter to dog trainer? Like what was Uh, like one of the toughest lessons you learned during it? I
1: I definitely patience. And I know people who will say that a lot, mm-hmm. but I also had to, and also trusting my, not just my instincts, but the mm-hmm. things I've learned. And okay. so I know Maggie has said this to me a thousand times, you know, more than you think you do mm-hmm. and trust your instinct. And I'm like, okay. And at first I'm going, well, why does she keep telling me that? And it's because <laughs> I have to learn. I have to repeat it. And so it is actually something that is on my screensaver of my phone. And yeah, I've written it there because it's, I've taken a whatever picture, but I've put the text on the picture. So when I glance at my phone, it's in front of me. So Mm -hmm. when I'm going to do a sales call, it's there. Mm -hmm. And when I go to answer an email or a call, it's sitting there. So I'm seeing it thousands of times a day, because honestly, how many times do we pick up our phone? And also how many times do I pick up my phone to take pictures of Mm -hmm. the dogs or take a video? But before I get there, I see my screen.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. It's a whole reinforcement thing too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what was one of the more, I like to say more brutal things from shifting from, you know, contracted employee to self-employed as a dog trainer?
1: I think at first, I, it was going, where's my paycheck? <laughs> uh, at, well, because yeah. you had to go, okay, you get paid every two weeks, let's say. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, okay, I'll get the alert on my phone or I'll go glance at my bank account and, okay, my paycheck's in there. So then going, wait, my paychecks don't come every Friday and <laughs> not being that you can't set them up to do that. But yeah. in the very beginning, it was, well, Where's my money gonna come from? <laughs> and I knew where it was coming from in my right. head, but right. just breaking that pattern of you get paid every two weeks, or you get paid once a month, or mm-hmm. you, you whatever the cycle of payment you're used to from a employee business to being the employee, being mm-hmm. the owner of the business makes it a little challenging at first. You're like, oh, wait, what's that? Where is that? And so Then I was like, oh, duh, you just move it from your one account to your other account. And so seemingly silly thing to not think about, but it is that mental shift of I'm responsible for where my money's coming from. So if I don't sell, that's my, that's my fault. If I don't look to continue to build my business, then I, I can't say anybody failed, but me, because I didn't make the phone calls. I didn't put the work into it. And yes, I know I have to work on that next week. And this week is, and because it's that whole week of coming back from a vacation that you're like Mm -hmm. getting everything back running and knowing I've just started a few clients and going, okay, where are they going to fit? But that goes Mm -hmm. into how, why you work with grassroots because they teach you a lot of those (laughs) things of how to, because there's a number of businesses out there that'll say, oh, I could teach you how to build your business. Mm-hmm. But the difference is grassroots is all pet businesses mm-hmm. and dog businesses. where not saying that business isn't business. Money isn't money. But I think it is different when you're looking at where people are teaching you how mm-hmm. to find your clientele, where yeah. to work on your niche and all of those things um, yeah. definitely is where grassroots definitely comes in.
0: Yeah, Well, I think too, because I made that transition from being corporate employee, you know, for mm-hmm. many, many, many years and having that structured day and whatnot to, you know, full-time entrepreneur a few years ago. And it's, it you know, it's, we always like to say, cause right now, like right, what's happening in the U S and across the world right now, like polit- politics aside, the great is happening and everything else mm-hmm. like that. And a lot of people are moving into self-employment. And I think one of the hardest shifts is to, and it's one of those things we have at the back of our mind consistently, but it's like, if, if I go, if I go into my full-time job, right. And I just show up, I answer a few emails at corp at my corporate job. And I really don't give a fuck. I know I'm going to get paid on the 15th and the first of the month. You know what I mean? Yep. If I go into my, my job now, you know, as co-owner of grassroots, and I don't perform or if I don't, you know, if I don't serve our clients, you, everybody else and everything like that, <laughs> I run the risk of not being able to make payroll for nine full-time people. <laughs> exactly. you know, I mean, not only me and it's this whole, it's this whole assumed risk thing, but at the same time too, I think it's, I don't know, you have to be a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, I think, and a little bit fucking crazy, not, yeah. not to sound, I don't want to sound ableist when I say that, but to be a little bit, you know, you have to have a different Way of thinking in order yes. to you know be self-employed and being yes. able to keep that shit together. Because honestly, like a corporate job, a, a freaking and a regular job, man, that shit is comfortable. Back in the day, like my dad, my dad's a boomer. He was, you know, he's he went, and he had the same fucking job for fifty something years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he went yes. in, he clocked in, he did, his, and he worked for the federal government. He did his job, and then he clocked out, and now he's enjoying life. You right. know, for me and you, and for everybody else that's listening, it's like, man, you know, if something happens, like it can be dramatic too. So right. anyway, i yes. not going to go down that road. I try to tell that to people that are like, well, you're so lucky you get to do this. And I'm like, yes, and, <laughs> yes, <Exactly>. and, <laughs> yes, exactly. and if I, if we fail, my whole team fails, you know, just not even Correct. just me, but like, you know, I got, a, I got nine other mouths to feed in the organization too. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Sorry. Let's get off topic. No, no, um, you're fine. Cool. So tell me, can you share a little bit vaguely? I'm going to put that in there because I don't want you giving the goods. Uh, Can you share a little bit about how you did this? Like how you made that shift to make it work to where, you know, you're profitable, I would say, nicely profitable. You are comfortable and you feel confident. Like how would you, can you share a little bit about what you kind of did? I don't want you to share too much. Um. Well, uh,
1: in 2020, when the pandemic hit, I came into 2.0, right? Yeah, I did. I did. I actually was at Clicker Expo in Louisville, Kentucky, and when and we got we were there, we were there one day, and they turned us around and told us to go home. We were like, "Okay, what's happening?" They said, "People are." The whole idea of people were afraid they weren't going to be able to get home. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew what was happening because, of course, with like Clicker Expo place, they have people coming from all over the world. Uh-huh. So, some of their speakers that were from all over the world were canceling at the last second and mm-hmm. saying, We're not coming. We're their speakers. And they're going, We're not coming. It was my, I was like all excited. It was my first expo. And I am like, okay, I don't know what's happening. And I get a phone call from my supervisor at the time. And she said, check your email. I know you're on vacation. You need to check your email stuff's happening. I'm like, what is she talking about? And cause I was still in education. And mm. that was when they said, do not come back to the building. Like if you needed anything from the building, you have this amount of time to get it. If not, You can't come back until we tell you you can come back. And I'm going, what in the world? So I'm sure everybody else was doing that too. But I come back and I get a call from one of the unicorns at Grassroots and they say, would you be interested in doing, because I think I filled out at the same time, a Mm -hmm. questionnaire or something that came on Facebook from one of the ads. Mm -hmm. And I get a phone call and they said, would you we see you're interested. Give me the whole spiel. Would I be interested? And I remember going, what is it going to cost me? (laughs) Because I know there has to be a cost factor. And they said, well, it could be, and they get named a figure. Mm -hmm. And I said, you mean you want that right now? And she (laughs) says, no, you could I said, can I, at least I just came back from you say that again being away wow. and i wanted to see what 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 life was going to be all that kind of stuff and i said can you call me back in two days and she actually did emily um, yeah that was
0: yes, emily <laughs> it was emily
1: and <laughs> yeah. i, oh, I do to know if you want to be this um so okay. in two days emily. emily called me back and said okay so what do you think and i said i'm gonna do it and yeah. i haven't looked back yeah and even during 2020 when I didn't know if I was still going to have a educator's job, if mm-hmm. I was getting a paycheck from doing all of that, I jumped into grassroots two feet. <laughs> I <laughs> was like, let's just see what's going to happen. And that within a couple weeks of, or I guess it was like part of 2.0, I actually sold a six month program mm-hmm. and I never would have thought, I would have been able to do that and uh, as a trainer. So oh, I think that's also where I knew I could potentially leave education mm-hmm. because while we were shut down I was able to still go and work with this family that had hired me to do a 6 month program mm-hmm. because I didn't have to worry about going to school. I was like mm-hmm. okay and they paid it and I was like okay this is nice. I'm enjoying <laughs> this and I saw there was, that was the the little window of light that showed me that, okay, this is potentially going to work. It wasn't a full door open. It -hmm. was here. I'm going to show you, you're going to be able to start doing this. And Mm -hmm. then it has grown and shown me the, and the door is completely open, um, that to walk through and see what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember when you came into 2.0 because I specifically remember you came in a little bit late, I think like a week or two late towards it. Cause we were still, we had like the doors open still, but we were still letting people trickle in as needed. And it's funny because 2.0 now is like our, our flagship course. It was, (laughs) it's literally like what, two, three years of our education crammed into like, three modules. It was insane. I'm actually super, I'm, you know what, honestly, though, I'm super proud that the whole team went together and built that too. I'm just kind of like scratching our back.
1: You should, you should be. And, and I have said to numerous people that have said, well, how are you doing this? Like, and different things like that, even clients that are like, Oh, I know you wanted to leave education. You didn't seem happy. I know it was hard scheduling everything, how did you do that? And I said, if I didn't take this course Mm. that I started during the pandemic, I don't think I would have been able to do it. And not meaning that, and it is to give kudos to grassroots, but also to say, sometimes you do have to just jump and see what happens and be willing to accept what the outcome is. Is it Mm -hmm. going to be a flop? Or is it going to be where you actually soar? Because same like a baby bird, they don't know if they're going to fly until they're kicked out of the nest. Mm -hmm. So if you're a frog and you go to jump out of a nest, you're going to jump, you're going to land, but you're not going to fly. So it's kind of thinking a little bit further down, like, is this something I, and other people, as I think about this now, since you asked, have noticed and said, I could do this a long time ago. Mm -hmm. and I didn't know I was like what are you talking about they're like you could do this and I was like I don't know about that Mm -hmm. and it's people saw things in me that I didn't see myself right away Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes we're blinded because it's also a little out of the norm of Mm -hmm. what I usually do and I also think there's sometimes unfortunately that societal idea of what you should do and not to say dog trainers are not intelligent people because we all are, mm-hmm. but there, I think some people think it's an easy job and it's, not. it's really not. And <laughs> no. the ones, and we saw during 2.0 and during the pandemic, so many businesses closed because yeah. they were banking on those not scalable Training sessions, Mm -hmm. and they didn't know what to do. And not saying that I knew what to do, but in hindsight, I did have an idea of what to do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's also where I saw pet sitting. Also, my pet sitting started to close Mm -hmm. because people had booked me for even that summer, and they were like, We can't go, we're not going anywhere. We don't know what's going to happen. So I also saw. Okay, I'm not pet sitting, but I can go train on on the weekend. Mm-hmm. I can go do this, and so I started building it with that idea of not that I was shutting down pet sitting, but mm-hmm. that I wasn't sure what was going to happen with that because then, and again, who knew if after the summer of 2020, were mm-hmm. people going to want to go and travel again? Yeah. Well, then 21, I get slammed with people yep. asking me to pet sit cause they haven't gone anywhere for a year. Yeah. And so I was busy with some of that as well. And then I also built out, which was, which is nice with doing some pet sitting. If you're looking to get into the training, you can leave the dogs because most people have gone back to work um, or their dogs are okay while they leave. But I was able to leave the animals mm-hmm. and go out and work on training. And so I was able to do both. And even while I pet sat, I sat all kinds of animals, not just dogs and cats. I did farm animals, chickens, Mm -hmm. a chameleon, birds, you name it. I probably did it. Rabbits, (laughs) Um, which is kind of funny. Like, well, why would you do that? And it's because I enjoyed the animals. And, Mm -hmm. but then I continue to gravitate toward the dogs. And that's where I've said, okay, I'm going to definitely invest more and I guess that's what it is too. I've invested more into the training, not only mm-hmm. for myself, but also to build that side of the business and titrate out the sitting.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I, I just like went that. on a whole big tangent. about No, that. that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A lot of I know specifically pet sitters got nailed the most with the whole yes. uh, pandemic thing, and oh. A lot of them fucking closed down a lot of them. And I know some haven't even recovered yet, but 2021 was, it was the year for the dog turner. I would say everybody worked their fucking asses off and everybody's exhausted now, 2022. (coughs) I feel like it's, it's still going to have that kind of recovery. I think it's not good. It's still going to be busy, but I don't think it's going to be as frantically busy as it was. Correct. So I think there's going to be it's a good year of like hunkering down and getting your shit together and getting shit straight for 2022 because I think in 2023, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to probably have a repeat of 2021 where there's a huge uptick again. Cuz we don't know what's going to happen right now cuz like right now like what's January 2022, like we're mm-hmm. in a full we're in a big back fucking full swing of fucking cases going up so and who knows right. there's going to be more restrictions again. So anyway, that means potentially more dogs coming back into the picture because people exactly. are going out and getting more dogs again and <laughs> everything else like that. So Heather, what would you say or offer as words of advice to someone that was in your shoes a few years ago? If
1: you want to do dog training and you can find some people that you can mentor under, definitely do it that way. I think, I had the difference with me was I know behavior. Mm -hmm. And so I know this is going to sound like egotistical and I don't mean it that way. Mm -hmm. Behavior is behavior. Doesn't matter the species. Mm -hmm. So all species have behavior. So Mm -hmm. if you know how to read a behavior, yes, they respond differently to the behavior. Mm -hmm. So like a kid can't talk to me, Mm -hmm. I mean, or a, a, some, well, a lot of my kids couldn't talk to me, but they would act out because they couldn't use their voice. Mm-hmm. So then we would teach them how to communicate to us without physical aggression. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, I think, one of the reasons why I can look at a dog and say, oh, I see why he's jumping at you because you're mm-hmm. giving him tons of attention or things that are happening because dogs can't talk to us with a voice. Mm-hmm. Yes, some people say they can, but I don't always agree with that. But that's a whole other tangent. But dogs have behavior. So the behaviors are still the same. It just is the way they use it is a little different. Um, but get with people that you align with and that you trust. They're really interested in building their business. And I'm not just saying it because it's you and I on the phone. Mm-hmm. I really would say go look at grassroots. I've had a few people. On some weird private Facebook groups mm-hmm. that are like, Oh, how do you do this? And I'm like, Go t- if you have a question about your business and you are in the pet industry mm-hmm. or dog industry, go look, go have a conversation with you and Maggie or the team and say, This is what I want to do. And mm-hmm. instead of getting free advice that doesn't help you, uh huh, and <laughs> because, wasting time, <laughs> exactly, and then you come back two years later and go, I wish I would have done what they told me two years ago yeah. and, or even six months ago and whatever the period of time is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that it's that maybe grassroots doesn't fit everybody. I know you said, Oh, you're, I was probably cringing because you were cursing. And I said, no, I, I know what, how life is. It doesn't uh-huh. offend me. Uh-huh. Um, but and but there are things that I do align with you and mm-hmm. that, that there are things that we do similarly and that mm-hmm. I definitely will say I like I've said repeatedly through this without investing the money and the time in, two th- in 2020 I wouldn't be where I am today
0: yeah yeah
1: because I didn't know I was like I mean yeah I could have attempted it but I wouldn't be and I wouldn't be able to again go with my niche. Mm -hmm. And I know people say, Oh, that's just that cliche word that everybody Mm -hmm. uses, but where in that having your niche, you're able to, for lack of another way to say it is pick and choose who you want to work for Mm -hmm. and work with, because Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that there are tons of people that need dog trainers Mm -hmm. and there's always other trainers. Well, I may meet somebody and they just are not getting what I'm offering to them. Mm -hmm. They're just not invested in the way I would think they would be invested. It's not saying there's a problem with them. It's just, we're not, we're not going to work well together and we're not going to accomplish what they want to accomplish for their job. Mm -hmm. So there's somebody else that they may align better with. And Mm -hmm. so learning, even just learning who your niche is, is going to make a huge difference too. Mm
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And yeah, Heather, it's been fucking awesome. If people want to find you, how can they find you? um They can find me on Facebook at Heather Law Dog Training.
1: Um, I have a website, www.heatherlawdogtraining.com. And my email is Heather Training at gmail.com. Awesome.
0: Well, Heather, it was a fucking pleasure. Oh, oh yeah, you're, on, on, Instagram Instagram too. Too. you're yep. on Instagram too. You're on Instagram too. Yeah, I know
1: that. And I did actually change my Instagram name to take away the pet sitter piece, and so it should just be coming up as Heather Law dog training. But gotcha. if if not, they can shoot me a message. Okay. You can add that in the notes. If you want
0: to, well. I definitely like, will. I can't write all that. <laughs> yeah. No worries. No worries. Awesome. All right. Well, Heather, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know sign off for now. But thank you so okay. much for your time, and it's been okay. awesome. Thank and you so pleasure much. Pleasure to have on. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye. Okay, bye. Hey there. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Mind Your Own Dog Business podcast. Mind Your Own Dog Business is hosted by me, Kristen Lee, and produced by the Unicorns over at the Dog Business School team. For more information on how to get in touch with me, for more information on Dog Business School, or to learn more on how we can help you with your dog business, feel free to visit our website at dogbizschool.com. Now, if you really enjoy this episode, do me a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple. The reason why? Because we want to disrupt more dog training businesses and how people do the business of dogs. Till next time, bye.